I can't think of a better way to celebrate Pentecost than to have it be Confirmation Sunday as well. All the apostles had gotten together and people from all over the area uh, came to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the Feast of Pentecost and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And before the day was over, they had 3,000 people added to the number of Jesus' followers. You have an assignment. We didn't read Acts chapter 2 today. We often do that. We read it every year. But today, it's an assignment. So go home, find your Bible. I encourage you to read Acts chapter 2. And it is there that you'll learn about what we've been talking about, the, the, the powerful wind, uh, the rush of a mighty wind, and tongues as a fire that came and rested on each one. And you can read about Peter's powerful sermon that brought many people to confess their faith in Jesus Christ. And today, we offer that opportunity. Romans 10.9, if you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead and uh, confess with your lips, you will be saved. And so that's important. I'd like to lift out the one verse from Colossians to focus on. And it's Paul writing these words. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We can focus on a lot of things, but I'd like to focus on that as if the Apostle Paul himself came in those doors, came in and walked down the aisle and came up and addressed us. He spent his ministry telling about how he once was, was filled with hatred and vitriol and he sought to persecute the Jesus followers and to stomp out the, the Jesus way. And his whole ministry was devoted to seeing and showing uh, his converts how God had met him on the road to Damascus and changed his life. And he felt the power of God's grace. And it was a grace that he wanted to live into. And he wanted to follow the Jesus way as best he knew how. And when you read the the New Testament, it's chock full of ways to say thank you through our lives. So I lift out this one verse and encourage the confirmands and all of you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, if Paul was here today, how would he make it apply to our context? He was really good at doing that. He knew the situation in each of the churches that he oversaw and he wrote letters to them and addressed the concerns and the problems that those disciples faced. And perhaps he would offer us three ways. The letter to the church at Aldersgate might include admonition to realize the power of our words. The power of our words. What does that mean? Well, in Ephesians 4.29, he told 
his friends, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. It's called corrupt communication, colorful metaphors. This is language that is used by a lot of Christians and non-Christians alike. I doubt if anyone in this room is innocent, including me. When I get upset and when I do plumbing, colorful metaphors are liable to come. There was a little boy at Carlsbad, New Mexico that I got to encounter when uh, the church at Great Bend, where I was serving, went on a mission trip to Carlsbad, New Mexico. Yes, we got to go down in the caverns, but not until we had joined together with hundreds of young people from around the country who'd gathered to do mission projects in that city to help those who were in need, to paint homes, to paint uh, walls inside of rooms, to fix plumbing, which they didn't let me do. And my job was to go up on the roof of one house and fix some shingles that had blown off in a windstorm. Well, I was so happy that the pitch of the roof was fairly flat. It was easy to get up there, and I didn't have to worry about sliding off. And so I climbed the ladder with hammer and nails and some extra shingles and some shears to cut them to size, and I started replacing shingles. And after I'd replaced a few, hammering the nails, I looked over to where the ladder was, And there was a little boy looking at me. He had climbed up the ladder, and he wanted to get on the roof too, probably seven or eight years old. Now, we wouldn't think of doing that today in our uh, conscious uh, carefulness of of, uh, preventing any children from having a hard time. But I went over, and I helped him up on the roof. He wanted to help. And so he watched me for a little while, and he said, can I do it? Well, I'm as soft as any grandpa can be. And so uh, he had seen how I held the nail and used the hammer, and I showed him just how to do that. And so he took a nail, and he tried the hammer, and he got several of them. He was pretty good at it, too. But, you know, when you get good at it, pretty soon you're not thinking. And what did he do? He hit the wrong nail. And suddenly he jumped up on the roof and he was, he was going like this and he didn't know what to do. And he looked at me like, what do I do? And I said, just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I never heard anybody say it quite as fast as he did. Now, <clears throat> I will admit that if I had smashed my thumb, it might have been something beside praise the Lord. But I got to thinking, You know, how can we model for our world a better narrative than what is often our experience? Kind of like the the preacher that was out working on his lawnmower one day and he was trying to start it and he pulled and he pulled and he pulled on the rope and the thing wouldn't start. And before long, a little boy came along. I don't know why boys are in all my illustrations this morning. But he came along and he watched the pastor pull that string a little bit. And he said, Pastor, doesn't that make you want to cuss? And the pastor, of course, you know, wanting to be a good example, he said, Son, I gave up all those bad words long ago. And, And the little boy said, You keep pulling on that rope and they'll come back to you. But let's get serious for a moment. There is a power 
in your words. And your words reflect a window on your soul. I confront that many times in my own life. And I think if the Apostle Paul was here, he would say he was guilty too. And he would ask us to honor the power of our words. Listen to this. I don't know how many of you say dang, but do you remember or think about that dang is a euphemism for damn? That gosh and golly are euphemisms for God? Heck is a euphemism for hell? Freaking is a euphemism for I'm not even going to say that. Think about it. There's a power in our words. Our words can either condemn and destroy, or they can offer grace and forgiveness and love. What's the narrative you want to give as your witness? When my grandson was two years old, I learned something, a valuable lesson which I remember most of the time. But once I said a colorful metaphor, and that little two-year-old grandson repeated what I just said. And I had an awakening. And I adopted a motto that has stuck with me ever since. The rate at which a two-year-old will repeat what you just said is in direct proportion to the dirtiness of the word. Think about that. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I want to say thank you for all that God has done to me and recognize that there is a power in my words. That's why the disciples went out and they proclaimed the death, the resurrection, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, which has the power to dwell within us, they believed it, and they believed it would change the world. You know why they believed it? They had to believe it, because many of them were ridiculed, many of them were persecuted, and many of them were killed for sharing the love of Jesus. It was a powerful message. They were willing to risk everything for. I submit to you that God has uniquely gifted each one of us with words of hope, peace, and positive possibilities to help us write a better and more wholesome narrative than the world can give. What else would Paul say? Maybe he's just talking to me, but he he might be talking to you as well. I think Paul would say that walking in a manner pleasing to the Lord involves radical generosity. Now, I'm not just talking about money. It's easy to talk about money. If you've got it, you can afford to give a little bit to help someone else. Now, it's not just about money. But it's also about giving praise. It's also about giving hugs. I don't know about you, but I'm missing giving hugs. And I long for the day when one can be encouraged without words at all. Generosity. The children in the Sunday school have been baking cookies. I've been trying to be nice to each one of them after Sunday school. 
Maybe someday I need to go bake cookies with them. But take a plate of warm chocolate chip cookies that you didn't buy from Dylan's, but that you made with your own hands to your neighbor next door. Perhaps if we did more of that, we would have fewer fences to build. Something to think about. Now, we can't help everyone, but you can do what you can do. And I invite us all to include in our life plan giving, radical generosity. And Jesus promises us that we will get back much more than we ever gave away. Powerful. Powerful. Third, build the content of your character by increasing in the knowledge of God. I think Paul would say that. He said to his friends at Colossae, walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Today, we're going to give each one of the confirmands a study Bible. It's called the Wesley Study Bible, and it has commentary uh, that is in the Wesleyan interpretation of God's word. At the bottom, it says, love God with a warmed heart, Serve God with active hands. We United Methodists are people of warm hearts and active hands. And uh, they will open it up. And this is an expensive Bible, and you bought it. So thank you very much for uh, giving to the Confirmands a very well-worthy book. And you open it up to Colossians, and you find that even before the word, there's a commentary, and it says, Paul's letter to the Colossians offers some of the New Testament's most important reflection on the person and work of Christ. And you can read more about the book. And then when you turn the page and uh, turn to Colossians 1.10, you can read the Bible part in the upper half and in the bottom is some helps and some commentary that will help you think about and interpret what you just read. Students, I hope that you will take these and hold them close to your life and not let them collect too much dust before you open its pages and reap positive rewards. Remember, your assignment is Acts chapter 2 to read about Pentecost. Learn about how the Jesus followers lived. Find applications for God's word today. Let the words of Jesus flavor everything you do. Why? Because you may be the only Bible that someone else may read. In one of my first churches, there was a gentleman that came and shook my hand on my very first Sunday. He came and shook my hand and said, Preacher, my name's Archie Belial, and it's not the Belial that's in the Bible. And one day in visiting with him, he shared with me his story. Now, he was never able to come up in front of the church. He said, I can't speak in public. I'll just, I'll I'll lose it. But he had the story to tell. And his story goes like this. I came to this church many times through the years. And I wasn't sure I believed in everything that was being talked about, sung about, or prayed about. But I can tell you this. There was a gentleman 
that sat on the other side of the sanctuary that struck my interest. And I watched him. I watched how he prayed. I watched how he sang. I watched how he lived. I saw him downtown. I saw him around. And over a period of time, I decided that that man had something I needed. And he said, to this day, that man doesn't know that he led me to Jesus Christ. Wow. You might be the only Bible some may read. Think about it. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Paul might stand here and say, you have a power in the words that you use to witness to God's love. You have a generosity that will help change the narrative of the world in which we live. And you have a life that will shine as bright as the light from a flashlight where the batteries are put in the correct way. That's the story of Pentecost. And after that day was over, the gospel then spread like a wildfire. And people came to see the power of God's love. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for being the church. We are not an aggregate of individuals. We are not siloed in our own pews. We're in this together. And so when each Confirmand student comes up and makes their confession, there will be an opportunity for each of you to join in and say, with you, in your confession of faith, we renew ours. So get ready. We're in this together, and we add some to our number, and we rejoice with the ones that we get to continue to work with to change the world. Amen and amen.